everybody. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Mike, and joining me as always... Hey, guys. Brian. And welcome to Amateur All Tours. You can follow us on Twitter at All Tours Pod, and you can email us with any questions, comments, or concerns at the Amateur All Tours Podcast at gmail.com. So, everybody, this is it. This is Legacy of the Frontier, our very own Star Wars story. Uh, Brian, I... Dude, you have no idea how excited I am to do this. I... I couldn't sleep last night because, you know, I'm night shift worker, healthcare worker, my sleep schedule's all messed up, but, so I couldn't sleep, and this is all I was thinking about. Like, I was thinking about this prior to us setting this date, like, you know, because I've had this idea since, like, June, May, and, you know, now it's, like, finally here, and this is, like, all I can think about, Brian. Like, I'm, I'm so excited to be doing this right now. Oh, it's really cool. I didn't know, uh... I knew you, this is like a, a pretty much your summer project, I would say. So uh, that's really cool, though, that you're really excited because I'm excited. I mean, I wasn't not sleeping last night, but I'm excited. And now hearing that you're so excited, I didn't realize this even before we started streaming or not streaming, recording. Uh, yeah, like I'm excited that you're so excited about it. Yeah. And I, you know, I've been honestly, I'm nervous because this is something you know, I've never DM before and I've never like told a story like this. So I don't want to mess it up. I don't want to be fumbling over my words. I like, I have things prepared, but I don't necessarily have like a script prepared. Um, and there's only, you know, so much I can control, you know, there's going to be moments where, you know, we get to our first interaction. Like I can't make that scripted. Um, I'm go- I, even with Bjorn's care, like my character, I don't want to react in a way that like feels forced and scripted like i feel like i'm creative enough and i'm objective enough that i can separate the two like i i won't let the meta knowledge of the gaming influence my character um and the other npcs i mean obviously i'm going to try and be directing but i also want to have fun with this and just you know see if i can challenge myself and not really adhere to like a strict thing i'm i'm going to react how i think my character bjorn would react and i want that for you too brian i don't want you to ever feel like hey i'm messing up the larger picture don't ever feel like that and i'll be reminding you like do whatever you want to do if you and especially as long as it's in the uh the how if you think trin would respond in this way do that don't be like oh man am i messing up the story like forget that man like i'll figure it out we're here to have fun and tell a good story well that's the thing too when i mentioned in the character intro i guess uh prologue episode to this i i I pretty much was just saying listen you're driving the bus you have the reins i'm just riding on this you know this carriage i i'm i don't know what my character's gonna do and there's there's an intent behind that because i will i will take a moment to get into character so to speak and role play uh but in terms of that to that end i know that whatever i do it it i'm just kind of on the ride you're the one who's built the tracks so i'm just on the ride for the tracks but i know that whatever i do I'm staying on the tracks. So I'm not going to be hesitant about what to do or say. I'm just going to try and uh, role play for a minute, like for this episode, for the series, and just kind of see where we end up. To that, uh, uh, to that though, uh, I will constantly ask you for help out of character saying what I will what what to do because I've never done this before. Neither of you, but well, you you have more experience than I do, but we'll, which we'll is still very it. little at that. It's very minimal, but it's enough to 
get this started. So everyone at home, I will try my best to be as descriptive as possible. I do have uh, Brian and I are playing over Roll Twenty, um, which is an awesome D and D like free uh, desktop like game that you could create everything. It's really cool. It's got its own dice system built into it. Uh, and maps and stuff. Map, well, I made the maps, but you know you can create them and you can display them. It's super cool, super free, um, super free, and it, yeah, it's just it's a it's cool. So we're going to be using that as like references for us, but I'm going to try and be as descriptive as possible, and uh, yeah, I'm gonna do, I'm gonna do my damnedest to try and make this as like fun of experience for us, but as also the listener as well. You also, I'm I'm also when I edit this, I'm going to try and make it like a radio show. Uh, as I'm going to try and put sound effects where I can music, if I can change voices, you know, I'm going to try and make it as immersive as I can. Um, but you know, hopefully fingers crossed, it turns out really well. So, uh, Brian, but before we begin, I just want to ask you, like, what do you want from a story? I know I asked you that last week and outside of just telling like a good story, like, what are you expecting? And, and just like, what, like, what do you want from this as well? Other, like outside of just telling a good story, like what types of adventures do you want to go on? Uh, do you have any, like, you know absolutely nothing about the story. And I've done that, obviously, yeah. on purpose. Uh, if you have any, like, predictions, I mean, just from, like, the setup episode. Like, if, like I'm just curious of, like, what your, where your thought process is going into this. Well, it's interesting. I have no idea. I have no predictions of where the story is going to go. Uh, even and, and I'm trying to, like, dissect where possible avenues that we could go via your i guess writing style or i don't know like it's not even a writing style or your prose because it's i'm just trying to i don't know because i know you like your one for a dramatic story which everybody is but to it but i mean to say that like i'm more intimately aware of like i guess the tropes not the tropes i don't mean to say that negatively but what you mean like the story beats that you kind of gravitate to because they i'm sort of in the same vein uh what, what so like I what know, what do you think well, uh well that's what i'm saying like i can't necessarily pin it down though because i know you've given this at least like two months of thought in-depth thought like analysis uh and research so I, that's the thing though because like I, I i pin you as a person who and i don't mean this to say like on like ironically like in the vein of star wars the brian johnson or whatever but like you like to subvert you like to try and subvert like whatever it is I'm trying to, you're trying to be one step ahead of me as the, as the GM anyway. That's what it's called, right? The GM. Yep. yep GM or DM, whichever one. The DM. Uh, that's your step anyway. But even just as like a storyteller, I feel like that's your, you always strive to like do that or have some sort of not even subverted expectation, but of some sort of mind to always kind of pull the rug from under me or hide that ace up your sleeve. So I'm curious to see what's going on, what will happen here, especially since you were very, more so since you were very, you said you were very excited about my character and the arcs that, that present with your character and the narrative. The greater narrative, I have no idea what it'll be about, which is the point, obviously. And then, uh, yeah, no, I, again, like to answer your original question, I have no idea what to experience. I guess what I would want to see from this is besides obviously telling a good story is I guess I would like to see for my character. I want to see where he ends up on the end of this on this whole journey. I have absolutely no clue. Like I mentioned in the ep- the intro episode where I'm going to go, what's going to happen. 
what will Trin redeem himself or not? I'm I'm very curious to see. Okay, cool. Um, so I guess with that, Brian, I mean, there is there is one more thing that we have to do, and uh, do you know what that is? I have absolutely no idea. Well, Brian, <laughs> just like every great Star Wars story, we have to start with an opening, like narration and an opening uh like crawl what you would you can say oh, so okay. with with that brian as every great star wars story our adventure takes place a long time ago in a galaxy mm-hmm. far far away So Legacy of the Frontier, it has been 22 years since the rise of the Empire under Emperor Palpatine and Darth Vader. There has been widespread darkness in the galaxy as the tyrannical hand of the Empire continues to spread from system to system. It seems as though any form of hope was extinguished long ago, or so they thought. With the creation of the Rebel Alliance, average citizens find themselves empowered to fight their oppressors. Small glimmers of hope are shining as people pick up arms to fight against the darkness. Day by day, light trumps dark in small victories. And as time grows longer and longer, the tides begin to shift. Sensing this shift, Emperor Palpatine dispatches small squadrons of soldiers, scholars, and philosophers alike, attempting to find a final solution to this rebellion and usher in a new era of complete power over the galaxy. So, Brian, uh, as we are looking into the deep space, we pan down and see the planet of Tatooine, which is almost sitting peacefully in the dark abyss of space. Now, as we pull a little bit closer, we are going specifically towards uh, the Mos Espa, uh, city essentially, which is where Anakin's uh, Anakin Skywalker's hometown was, and we're seeing. The, the desert surrounding the city. The sun is beating especially hard today. It's hot. It's almost, it, it almost feels like it's like the hottest day of the year, which is pretty, just saying a lot because, you know, we live in the desert where the environment is extremely unforgiving. And as we pull even closer, we start to see inhabitants going on about their daily uh, daily routines. We see merchants uh, trading their goods and, and borrowing with each other. We see a pod racer fixing his his pod that was damaged in a recent race. We see a man walking home drunk as a skunk after a long day of drinking and inevitably he's going to get the beating from his wife when he goes home. And as we go even closer, we find ourselves in a back alley um, where we see your character Trin, he is he is in this he's in this alleyway which is a long corridor uh, which has branching uh, branching paths on either side. But he is at the top of this alleyway, sitting in the shade, 
is he's kind of slumped over with his back against the wall looking up at the blue sky and as we look and as we survey this image we see that there are empty death sticks around scattered around trin here so this bat this is a back alley of the city and it is trin's favorite spot because of such the little traffic that goes through here occasionally people walk through here they get to where they need to go it's just a quick shortcut and sometimes they see they look at Trent they give him he's gotten looks of anger of ang uh, looks of pity sadness sometimes people don't even care that he's there and Trent doesn't care either and as long as it's quiet and he has a place all to himself so Brian tell me about Trent's experience right now he's uh, I mean, he's he's high on death sticks. In our setup episode, we did discuss a little bit of like the hallucinogen effects of death sticks and what it does. Uh, you know, you're trading essentially memories or like trauma or like sa uh, sadness for this euphoria, but it's like cutting back on his life, literally stealing life from him. So, what is Trin experiencing in this moment? What is he feeling? What is he thinking about as he's looking up? this hot day in the blue, clear blue sky. So he's actually reminiscing about the, not the first, but one of the earlier, uh, I guess, episodes, you could say, of his hunting experience uh, with his father, Zara. Uh, and the reason it's because the death sticks, I, it's my understanding they believe about, they bring about a euphoric experience. And this was a very happy memory for Trin. So he's actually specifically remembering uh, one of the more imp impressive kills that he got in his upbringing, because as, as I mentioned it before, the Rhodian culture is very um, violent. Uh, it's very violently driven culture in that, you know, they idolize, you know, tribalistic, you know, warriors and, 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 and you know, clashes of violent conduct. So in this case, they're also expert marksmen and hunters. So this was a case where Trin and his father Zara are hunting. And it was a case of, um, this wasn't his first kill, like I just mentioned. Uh, and kill also means animals hunting. They also classify that as a kill. And this, you know, the first couple kills were the equivalent of, I guess, like does and deer of our, of like our, you know, to quantify it. Uh, in this one, I can't specifically name the animal, but I would say it's the equivalent of, you know, a grizzly bear. And he's sitting under the hot sun, because it's a, it's a jungle, Amazonian kind of world. And he's sitting with his father, Zara, and he's staring down the butt of his rifle. And his father is kind of just telling him, teaching him, mentoring him the, the, the art of the control your breathing, you breathe in, you breathe out, you look through one eye, you kind of, you, you're still stiff as a feather, or stiff as a feather, light as a board. No, the other way around. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> yes, yeah, stiff as a board, light as a feather. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> it, it's that kind of, you're, you're in tune with nature and your surroundings and your kind of your breathing is circular with the rifle that is what his father is teaching him and it reaches to the point and that and that and it's the moments of anticipation that trin is remembering sitting in that alleyway with this looking at the sun feeling the heat it's those moments of anticipation that he really appreciates 
and that that is what he is choosing to remember. Okay. That's awesome. And so as Trin is in this euphoric state of uh, like nostalgia for this kill with his father, he, he, and, and the remember that this alleyway is completely deserted except Trin looks down at the alleyway from the sky because he hears a footsteps and occasionally he can hear footsteps and he likes to take a glances of the people that are walking through the alleyway. Maybe sometimes we'll get a spare credit or two. if Someone takes extra pity on him, but this, the sight that he sees gives him a bit of a start. So as he looks, as he looks down the alleyway, he sees a figure approaching him and what he realizes and he's perplexed is that it's him he sees a Roydian walking down and he realizes that it looks exactly like him. Granted the, can you roll a perception check for me, Brian? Yeah. So that's just a, 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 just a D 20. Okay. Uh, that is a, your thing is in the way of one second. That is a six, six. Okay. So you you don't really recognize any specific features of or of like the outfit. You do recognize recognize that it's Roydian who looks who is it is Trin, and but and you can't see specifics of the outfit except you do recognize that he's that 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 he is wearing um, black boots, like uh, kind of baggy black pants, a black uh, vest, which will except except the um, the t-shirt under it is a crimson red. And this is the figure that Trin is seeing as himself walking towards I, him. I guess and, my question is though, am I, am I wearing all black and crimson red or is that some sort, like, am I wearing that? That's all I'll ask. No, 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 no. This is just what okay. Trin is seeing. Uh, okay. This figure who is himself walking towards him. And, and, Yes, he's seeing himself. So, Brian, how does Trin react to seeing this figure walking toward himself? How does he respond to himself walking towards him? So he is. I mean, honestly, this is this is not something that he is too surprised about. Uh, usually, he has been in like hallucinogenic, you know, high states before, and he has not. He hasn't had the you know the come to Jesus moment, but he has had moments of deep introspection and, and reflection and uh, that 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 comes about with some of these unusually intense highs so trin honestly thinks that this is something this has happened to him before he said okay it's really hot i'm really high let's kind of see where it goes the interesting part though is that his hallucinations never have walked towards him before okay so does Trin try and say anything or is he just like kind of sitting back and letting just nope, seeing he, where this goes? He's just letting it, he's just going with the tide and just seeing where it goes. Okay. So as Trin is, as the figure is approaching him, he's trying as, as the distance is closing, he's trying to, you know, have more perception, trying to figure out like what's the difference of this manifestation. And suddenly there is a figure comes out of the shadows behind Trin and he pull and and this figure all dark all dark he roll a perception check for me Brian another one uh 18 okay so with that roll you notice about this figure is that they are 
a cloaked figure wearing it's a it's a long dusty black robe pulled over their head and you also see the glimmers of a mask and you just see the uh two big black eyes but it it's definitely looks like it almost looks like a gas mask of some sort and but it's all contorted from this uh this hallucination this high and as you see this figure as Trin sees this figure walking towards himself he recognizes that then the figure pulls out a small cylindrical object and in a flash there is a bright blinding white light and it's 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 like a silver blow, glowing blade like a sword uh. Does Trin try and Trin. say something when he sees this? And it's and it's Trin. and it's quickly. I must say, it's quickly approaching Trin from behind. Oh, and Trin. and this. Yeah, uh, Trin would immediately know what that is. Even in his high high state, he would know what that is. Um, can I do is, anything? Or so what? Yeah. Well, so what is Trin? What does he try and do? What do you? What would you like Trin to well, try and do? He can't. Trin he's not. I'm gonna tell you right now. In his stupor, he's not going to be able to like move no, or run. But. Trin knows that's a lightsaber. It's a lightsaber? He knows it's a lightsaber, or he, at least he thinks he knows it's a lightsaber. And what Trin is going to do is absolutely nothing. So Trin does nothing. He's just... It, how's he feeling during this? As in... He, like, Trin is feeling it's about time. It's about time. Okay, so with that... Trin sits back and watches as this cloaked figure with a bright white shining sword steps up behind the figure and in a flash he sees the blade go protrude like get stabbed through the abdomen as the figure as the cloaked figure walks up grabs Trin by the neck and and stabs him through his back and out through the his abdomen. Projection? Yes, that's what he's seeing. So um, and I want to and I want to make this note there's various religions with different beliefs and godlike beings in the Star Wars universe. So the concept of angels exists in different forms here. So to me, is Trin witnessing an angel killing a version of himself? Like how what is the like what is the first thing that he thinks of when he watches an angel kill him? Like watching his own death. So I don't think to my knowledge, I don't think Trin is particularly religious. I think uh, within the bounds of that question, Trin believes that he is seeing his, uh, what's the way to say it? He is seeing the inner, I guess, inner, something from the inner subconscious coming out and meeting him in this high. That's what he thinks. He doesn't think it's an angel. He so does he it's think him. it's, does he think it's real or does he think it's just a manifestation? He thinks it's a manifestation, but he is not surprised by any of this okay so so with that the the he, oh oh sorry you know what he also he does whisper i said he thought it but he also whispers it's about time Trin did indeed watch a killing, but it was not of himself. Um, it, this this mythic figure was not an angel, but it was an assassin. 
And that assassin is, his name is Bjorn Ashmondi. So Bjorn is, he's a, he's Keldorian, hence the mask. So Trin with being able, with his uh, perception, he was able to see the mask and the cloak, but in his death stick induced stupor, he didn't recognize that it was a Keldorian mask. Uh, Keldorians, for those who don't know, uh, from their home planet of, uh, I think, I believe it's Dorian, they, the, the atmosphere is so, like, they're so, they've uh, evolved specifically to their planet. And then when they leave, they can't handle any other, like, breathing or, or like, uh, they're, they're, they're like fish out of water, literally, so they can't breathe. So they have to wear this mask apparatus 24-7. They can take the mask off. It's not, like, glued to their face. Like, if you look at the pictures of a Keldor, it might look like it's, like, medically fused to their face, but they can take it off, but, you know, they won't last long. So they always have to wear the mask no matter what. So Bjorn is, he's wearing a, he, he has very like kind of gray, dark, um, just loose fitting clothing underneath. Kind of reminds me like what Ray would wear in uh, Force Awakens. So it's like kind of like specifically for uh, like hot desert or it's, it's like kind of acclimated to everything except like cold. So he has an all temperature cloak around him that he has pulled up for just, you know, being uh, inconspicuous and so, so, and this hit that he's this this Roidian that he killed was not Trin. It was actually uh, another Roidian, uh, Gunter Mackey, and there, and essentially how he came from this. Bjorn is an assassin, and there came around this anonymous uh, hit on this person, and they just said there was very little details about it. It just said. Uh, name, where they're located, and how much, uh, how much the 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 bounty was, and what they needed to do, because it was an open contract. Anyone could claim this, and all the only piece of information that they were given to, in order to prove that the bounty was successful and they completed it, was to bring back the medallion around his neck, um, that uh, and bring it to Corellia. And then they would get paid uh, at this moment. Like why they'd be wired the the funds. So as Bjorn slowly he disengages his his blade, and it's it's worth noting that the, the that the blade it's and I mentioned this in the setup. It's it's like a train. It's it's not like a full lightsaber. It's actually a um, it's actually a fixed. Uh, tampered version of a tr of a training lightsaber that younglings would use uh, at the Jedi Academy as they were training. So Bjorn has tinkered with it and he has made it deadly, but it's extremely unstable. The blade, like this, the blade is silver, but it's very janky looking. It, it's not a solid beam of condensed energy. It almost looks like uh, like a, like jagged saw teeth from like a, like a, like a saw or a chainsaw. And it's and the blade is already getting hot. It's very unstable. So he just does the quick stab and and uh, sheets the weapon. It's also worth noting that uh, in the opening crawl, I mentioned that the story is taking place 22 years after the rise of the Empire. So I I think I got the dates right, but it's essentially in between Episode Four: New Hope and Episode Five: Empire Strikes Back. So the so Empire the going up. So the so the Empire has suffered the loss of the of the loss of the first Death Star. And 
inklings of uh of this myth this myth and legend of luke skywalker and the rebel lines and you know leia organa and han solo and they're all starting to spread through the galaxy but the empire still is by no means lost really any control over any of the systems of the galaxies but there are skirmishes throughout but uh, so any on tatooine uh i mean not not really i mean it's just it's kind of like um i think that that's out of character me asking just yeah no so i i, I think i think it's more that uh maybe some empire um patrols have increased because they recognize that this is the home world of luke skywalker so they're like kind of combing it to see if there's any other force sensitive users here and also patrols are just ramping up to try and keep the oppression control but i bring this up this tangent because bjorn can't he recognizes that he like using his lightsaber was a completely it was a very dangerous and risky move because if anyone sees that he has a lightsaber the empire is going to be down on him they're going to be investigating him so he doesn't want to out himself so the only reason he used it was so he's been stalking gunther for a while now he's been maybe like four four days or so and he recognizes that gunther is a is a creature of habit he always walks down this particular alleyway to as a shortcut to get to his favorite cantina the dusty bantha and he recognizes like this is a hot day many people aren't going to be outside so and he didn't want to use his blaster because he thought that was going to be too loud and he might miss and and then alert uh, Gunther to his presence so he decided to go in for the the close-up and personal kill with his lightsaber very quickly and then quickly sheaths it. Bjorn sheaths his lightsaber and slowly places uh, Gunther onto the ground and as um, the Roydian gaps and he starts to go limps and he's being held by Bjorn as Bjorn is looking for this medallion Gunther quietly in his dying breath whispers to Bjorn, was it Twyla? Bjorn ignores this. He hears. He hears this. Do I hear this? No. He says okay. it's ever so quietly. Only, only Bjorn hears this. So, and and there may be from um from Trin. You guys are maybe like, nah. I'd say like, uh, let's say like twenty yards away. So the the alleyways may be like a good thirty five yards wide or like long. So. Bjorn hears this and he just pays no never mind to it. But he does hear, was it Twyla? And as he's just searching for the medallion, he finds it. It's uh, on a chain around his neck. The medallion is very tiny. It's very innocuous. It's, it's maybe the size of a quarter. And in the center, there's some strange symbols. Um, it almost kind of looks like um, like a uh, like a, like an eclipse like a like an eclipse is happening. So it's like a like an, a circle. And then there's just like a little bit of like a slice under. So it looks like when an eclipse is happening, right? Like when the moon crosses the sun, it's like just at the beginning part of it, if that makes sense. And around it are, uh, around this are six smaller circles. So it's like just equally, equal distant around this uh, like eclipsing sun, it looks like. And Bjorn recognizes from the description that this is the, indeed the medallion and he takes it and pockets it and he the and he checks to make sure the Roydian is dead the Roydian is indeed dead and and as he uh snags it and he turns around and that's when he he turns and freezes and that's when he sees Trin sitting there so Brian 
can you well, uh, Trin wrecking so what is Trin thinking now he's now caught and he's being looked at by this uh, this mythic figure that he doesn't recognize he still thinks is a hallucination what is Trin thinking well Trin doesn't think he's caught he just thinks I was watching somebody kill me and then the next thing he thinks of when he sees that uh, Kaldorian is holy shit he looks creepy That's so it. with that yeah so with he that Bjorn Almost like, uh, so you can't, you can't, Trin can't see his feet because of the robe. And any other onlooker would see, like, yes, he's just, he's quickly moving. But to Trin, it almost looks like he glides over to him because he can't see his feet. And he's so transfixed on his face. And Bjorn kneels down and grabs Trin by the collar and he pulls him close. And so, Trin, I, the, the Keldorian mask is warping with your high. And so now that you have a, I, I want you to roll um, a, per, well, so what do, what do you see? And I want you to roll a perception check for what happens next. All right, it is 17. So Brian, you, so Trin rolled a, a 17 and what, so he's seeing this mask in, in front of him. Now that he has a clearer image, what is, what is Trin thinking? Uh, he is thinking, hmm, he's not afraid. He, I, I think he's so high and he's not afraid that he doesn't know what this is but it's not remember when I said oh it's about time when he saw the lightsaber now mm-hmm. he's thinking uh, he's really apathetic to the whole situation he's pretty much the epitome of you know in a stupor saying you know what whatever's gonna happen to me is gonna happen to me and I don't care okay and so with that um Trin does look down. Uh, I want to do a perception check real quick. So I'm also going to roll a d20. So Bjorn rolls and he has a two. So he notices that uh, there's a Rorian laying on the ground and he's seen him. And so Bjorn grabs him and he takes off his mask really quickly. And so Bjorn can speak basic, so which is like essentially like the, the universal like language. English. Yeah, so it's like English. So Bjorn takes off his mask, and and with that 17 that you roll as a perception check, you notice a lot about this man. Normally, if you're, I want to say, like if you're high on death sticks, I think that would be a disadvantage. But since it's a halluc, like it's an hallucinogen drug, and now it's like literally in front of you, I think it only enhances. And I would say, like, I'd give you advantage to roll again, but you have a 17, so that'll be good for, you see a lot. So what you see, uh, you notice the silver irises in the Keldorian's face, or in his eyes. You notice that he has scars running from all over the right side of his face. It's It almost looks like uh, like light lightning scars, like all across his face, like... Um, are they are they fresh? Or are they old? No, they're very, they're, these are very old scars. Um... Like he's he's had them for a while, and you you also notice that like his his mouth and his teeth like you, you just notice all the details. But the important things are you notice his irises, you notice the scars, and then Bjorn says in a very raspy tone because of the air, he he says, "Forget you saw this." And with that, Bjorn releases Trin, puts back on his mask, and he walks away, leaving Trin staring up at the blue skies, and and I'm sure Trin is still processing everything that he had just seen, but as we pan out, this we have a body, maybe tw- uh, 
20 yards away, Trin there, and he's empty, just looking up at the sky. And what are his final thoughts of this interaction? Uh, I guess the, the very last thing Trin is going to do, he thinks, he says, I hope I don't forget this. He hopes he doesn't sober up and forgets or, you know, attributes it when he's sober to some sort of, you know, just high. This is a different high for him. As in, this is a different hallucination for him. He's never had this experience on Death Sticks before. Something so real and something like he can feel it in his gut that this is something different. Okay. He's never had anybody touch him. And like, even just the way the guy spoke to him, he could just feel something was different.